I was wearing my super boring clothing and suddenly I just saw the kids my age dressed as if they were like coming out of a fashion catwalk from La Croix or Givenchy or, you know, even Balenciaga. Then the power of how the communities use their clothing as a living language. And then I started to get more and more excited about Mexico having a DNA of fashion. We're the Majority Group, and this is Style as Identity, where we profile the designers and founders whose mere existence shifts our understanding of the style status quo. We're your hosts. I'm Lola Catero. And I'm Frankie Aquasim. And after years of settling for style that didn't represent us, we set out to find the brands that did. Join us each episode as we learn from brands that are an extension of their values, identity, and aesthetic. And because of them, we're seen and represented. Fashion designers are often referred to as artists, but not many are also acknowledged as historians or preservationists. Well, this one is, and her name is Carla Fernandez. If you know her or know of her, you are ready for this episode. And if you're just meeting Carla, well, welcome. Carla reminds us that fashion is not ephemeral, but rather a language we use to communicate across cultures and experiences. When it comes to production, Carla thinks deeply about how we can leave this world better than how we found it. Join us as we get into all of it. The brand's tight collaboration with artisans across Mexico, Carla influencing public policy, and why the future needs to be handmade. Get our visual episode guide sent to you by texting Carla, that's C-A-R-L-A, to us at the number 833-495-4773. All right. Hi, Carla. It's so nice to have you here. Hi. Thank you so much, Lola and Frankie. I'm very happy to be here. Yeah. We are so excited. So to kick things off, we would love to back things up a bit and start a little bit with your origin. And you were exposed at a young age to different communities and cultures across the country. Your father was the director of all the museums within Mexico's National Institute of Anthropology and History, which is amazing. It enabled you to travel and experience all the beautiful colors and shapes and textiles and materials that indigenous people wear across the country. And what a wonderful way to start to inform your experience and shape what you want to do and the impact you want to have. When thinking about how your work today collaborates with artisans honoring these 3,000-year-old techniques, really legacies carried on by these expert artisans, you're really clear that this isn't a reinterpretation, but a collaboration. And we wanted to hear more about why that is important distinction for you. Well, since I was very young, I noticed that the best dressed people or fashionistas of my country were in the indigenous communities by far, especially coming from, I was a Benetton kid, you know, I used to, as every child in that time would use like this Benetton shirt and jeans. And so when I went uh, to the communities coming not with together with my family, with my father, he was, as you said, director of the Museums of Anthropology. And usually this comes together with uh, the pyramids and 
with the pyramids, Mexico has one of the most diverse cultural diversity in the world after China and India. If you can imagine the dimensions of China and India and then figure Mexico's dimension, it's crazy. We have 68 living languages plus there are differences in those languages. And Mexico, it's such an amazing place to uh, be living in a diverse country. So I was wearing my super boring clothing and suddenly I just saw the kids my age dressed as if they were you know, like coming out of a fashion catwalk from La Croix or Givenchy or, you know, even Balenciaga with those amazing shapes that comes from squares and rectangles. I understood, first of all, that uh, our street wear was pretty boring <laughs> and very, very, uh, you know, it was more as a uniform, uh, very uh, identical to all the other kids. Then the power of how the communities use their clothing as a living language. I would talk to the kids my age and they would tell me, oh, I did this and this means I am from this community. It means that uh, my mom comes from this side of this community because it's more hot than the other side. So it has these long threads in the inside. And then I started to get more and more excited about Mexico having a DNA of, of fashion, you know, we had a special way of doing fashion, but it was just invisible for our Western eyes that were looking always. We are the neighbors of the United States and Mexico sometimes tends to follow the, what the States is doing. Hopefully we do that less and less, <laughs> hopefully for some things. And But at that moment, Mexico just wanted to be exactly the same as the United States. And uh, and people would say that we didn't have fashion. And for me, it was very clear that we did and that we had like a, such a variety and amazing, amazing attire and in a way fashion, you know. And that's how it all started, my complete devotion to Mexican traditional attire and basically to all the uh, traditional attire of uh, maybe most of the First Nations in the world, which is beautifully done and it's beautiful in all its aspects. Wow. I love that so much. <laughs> First of all, the diversity within Mexico and all the languages and even cultures within it. And then you were talking about the way that based on where you are, it translates into the techniques and the clothing that you wear. And so like they almost become these like maps of like subcultures within Mexico and history, which is just wonderful. When people reference you and the work that you've done with your brands, they describe you as both like a fashion designer and an art historian. And in the ways that you combine both, you're almost like excavating these aspects of culture while also designing and maintaining these techniques that are so important <laughs> to these artisans and the way they evolve fashion. So yeah, we would just love to talk about how you combine those two parts of yourself and how they then show up in the designs, right? Because you're talking about these shapes that you saw when you were younger, and now you're creating those shapes. So what's that process? You're a preservationist. Yeah. I have to say that, as you mentioned before, for me, collaboration is the most important part of our brand in our hearts. 
I learn every day from every person that we collaborate with. We started doing these collaborations because some artisans in Mexico wanted to attend the foreign market. You know, in Mexico, we have a lot of tourism. They would come and they would see all these shapes that are made of squares and rectangles, which is the DNA of Mexican patterning and the DNA of most uh, garments made by First Nations, because that's how, how it comes out of the loom, the fabric, you know, either backstrap loom or foot loom. And it's very interesting, all that uh, kind of textile origami to make it. But Western clothing is completely different. It's fitted to the body and it's made with curves and cuts. So that is a completely different way of making the clothing and feed the body. The women in the market are amazing. They want to please the tourists and they wanted to do Western patterning with the beautiful textiles. And it was a mess. Why? Because when you weave on a backstrap loom and you try to make a buttonhole and you open that and you try to stitch the buttonhole, it will only, you know, like open all the threads and it will not fit because it's not close enough, the weaving. And also if you make a dart, then this fabric, maybe it's too uh, thick and then you will have, it was something not, not good, you know, and we really try to make hamburgers, trying to please, you know, <laughs> another market. And suddenly after many, many uh, intentos, many exercises, we decided that that couldn't be done. So we came back and we say, okay, with the Mexican patterning, that it's so amazing and diverse and we can do so many things. We can do any shape uh, from a rectangle. If you pleat it or you fold it, you can make a square, you can make a triangle and it's amazing, you know, and you can also follow the lines of the body. Let's do that. Let's work together in these new silhouettes. So that's how we started these collaborations trying to make new designs out of the traditional techniques because people tend to think that in the little villages or in the indigenous communities, everything is still and quiet and no. We communicate with uh, WhatsApp, they do rap, they love sneakers. And I mean, the world is completely, it's, we live in a different world. And these changes are very valid, at least in Mexico. And that's why... We work, obviously, with the artisans that want these collaborations, always. 85% of the co-ops or, or artisans that we collaborate is because they ask us, you know, to do new designs together. And that changes, like, all the equation, you know. Thank you for sharing how you saw kind of some of this Western influence and trends and tried it out. When we talk to a lot of different founders, they have, you know, different stories, but similar experiences where we experiment and we explore different things. And only with that, do we find out what is true to us and what makes the most sense for what we want to create and what works. And so it was really beautiful to hear you talk about that and how the brand has evolved because of that and become stronger because of that. I think that's really powerful. Thank you. Yes. We share all the time what has worked and what hasn't worked for our fashion house because it's always 
nice to listen from examples of people that are, you know, like doing similar things to you, what has worked and what hasn't. Absolutely. Another thing that kind of stood out in hearing you talk about this is the use of materials and creating things. And I think we talk about materialism a lot and how it's this bad thing, but I think maybe it's just our relationship to it that's actually negative and not actually the material in itself because your brand really shows that how we can shift our relationship to these items that they have value that tells this whole story. Yes. Well, for me, clothing is an open book. As I said before, I learned that in my trips to the communities. It also has to do with the power of clothing. I mean, I see you guys, how you dress, and I can read you even though I don't have maybe the opportunity to talk to you verbally. But we can talk in other ways, uh, showing how we adorn and how we dress. We also understand clothing in a political way and in a ethical and sustainable way. Because when you understand these amazing techniques, how human race has developed because of, uh, for example, a backstrap loom that you can make your own clothing with eight sticks that you pick up from the woods and uh, transform it into a loom, harvest your own cotton, take care of your own sheep, and transform, you know, the land into an object. That is a whole transformation in being an homo faber, no? But being an, a, someone that creates in complete measurement or complete devotion with nature and with the plants and the animals that you are taking care is very different from now pushing a button and putting a credit card and suddenly you have in the front door, you know, like 24 hours or sometimes even three hours later, a garment that you don't have any relationship with it. You don't know how it was made. You don't understand the processes. Your whole body and your whole mind and heart and soul are completely away of the processes. I think we're losing completely our main force that is using our body and our, you know, that, that connection with the hands and the body and the heart of Tavio Paz used to say that craft is the connection between the heart and the hands. And that's when you have a craft that is made. That is what makes us different from other species, you know, when you can transform in a good way. Sadly, that has been disconnected. Obviously, it's not that I am against machines. I think that they're, you know, like now we're having this amazing chat because of technology, but they have to be an implement to use more our body and our hands and, and mind to make things and understand and the complexity and the mastership of making things ourselves. And when you understand that, you just have to devote to the artisans or to yourself and then you find happiness and it is a process that is very slow obviously we understand that the artisanal processes are slow and you make a few of them because you don't need more and it's another way of producing and wearing and uh, making Carla everything you say is just 
when we were talking yesterday too, you talked about how it's slow and you make a few of them, but you know, they also last, right? Like there's this continuity <laughs> to what you're making when you spend time on it and there's a story behind it and a process and they last. So you don't need to replace them as much and they don't need to be this like constant, like what's next, what's trending. My kids are going to wear this Carla Fernandez, whether, you know, like their kids and their kids their and their kids. kids. Their kids. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, yes. We say no to plan of obsolescence. Of course, we say no to this craziness of uh, consuming and producing over and over. It's like, for example, I'm seeing Lola with, I love that shirt. We designed it many, many years ago, and it was meant to last, and it was meant to be fun five years ago and, and be fun as well five years from today. The shirt that I am wearing, it's uh, dyed with indigo blue, made with a cotton that it's made on, on Backstrap Bloom, and you could see it, and you could see like a completely normal denim jacket but I dye it with an artisan that I love like every time that I wear it I think about her and, and the process and how much fun we had dyeing it and we stayed you know for five days in this workshop doing it so uh, the relation that we have with our clothing and with the things that we own or we produce to use for me it's a beautiful approach to materialism, that it has been like that for so many thousands of years that it changed with the Industrial Revolution. And I am convinced that we have to go back to the origin, you know, to be original. I always say it is to go back to the origin. The other part that's really important that you do is it's not just you that can create this change, but you always talk about Everyone needs to come together and grow and work in the same direction. And because of that, you have been open source from sharing all of this knowledge and having us all work together. And, you know, I've heard that you've changed public policies as a result, and I'd love to get into that. Us as a fashion house, I have an amazing business partner. Her name is Cristina Rangel, and she actually studied sustainable businesses in New York. Several policies that were not making any sense, for example, in Mexico. I mean, for me as a fashion house, it was easier and it was cheaper to buy fabrics that came from outside Mexico or industrialized fabrics because when I buy, I would have like a ticket, you know, that said, oh, Carla's Fashion House bought 100 meters from linen from Italy and that will deduct from my taxes and etc. But if I wanted to, you know, buy from the artisan that it's on the Chiapas Mountains and that she amazingly transformed and she is the one that maintains the equilibrium of this planet, because if we all use machines and we all did it uh, industrialized, we wouldn't exist anymore. It's impossible, you know. Uh, so she couldn't give me any paper because she's completely autosufficient. You know, she's completely free of all these other processes. So we had to go with several friends that work the same as we do with the communities and said, look, this is impossible. You're killing, in these terms, the Mexican craft of in these collaborations with uh, designers from the city or designers from even if they want to sell it, it's too expensive for us to buy these fabrics made by hand. So we achieved to give our a number of the tax number and that we could pay and that became like a very good public policy. 
Now we need to work more. I have to say that uh, I am convinced that the artisans of Mexico shouldn't pay taxes because they are already making a lot of things for for the planet and for, for Mexico. But that was a huge step. Us that were working together with artisans. And so that is one. The second one is that Mexico is the first country in the world that has a law that protects the um, intellectual collective property. And I was part of the committee, like the civic committee of this law that, let's see, I think Mexico took this footstep, you know, it's very difficult. It has many, many millions of people do things differently and they apply to this protection law. Let's see what is going on. And uh, we've been fighting it to be fair for everyone and that it helps in the terms that it should be. There's many public policies that has to be transformed and changed. That's part of um, our job as well as fashion designers in Mexico working together with artisans. You're changing the world that was built with, you know, the Industrial Revolution in mind and those more modern practices. You're changing it to reflect the world that we want to live in so that you can preserve and people can continue to do the things that are really meaningful and helping to bring about that change. So it's not just in, like you said, in the clothing, it's also in changing policies to preserve. Even before you were changing policies, you did recognize that fashion is political and you created a manifesto for the brand. We love to hear why it was important to start there, to centralize your mission and make sure that it's clear what you're committing to. I wrote the manifesto first for our collaborators and our team here in Mexico City and um, our collaborators in the communities because I wanted to have it very clear what we stand for and uh, who we are as a fashion house. It's a decalogue. Uh, it has 10 points uh, plus the introduction. And we have chanted, danced, recited. Now it's an exhibition. It's an exhibition at the Denver Art Museum. We also have a book that is coming very soon, in a couple of months. It explains mainly what we admire from the way of making for the traditional clothing in Mexico. It says also how for us tradition is not a static, how fashion is not ephemeral, how we do what they told us not to do, because I was raised in a time that they would tell us that the way of the, we were making fashion would never proceed, that we would never make it. So it was very important for us to share with uh, anyone that wants to listen how we feel about fashion. And, and also it has been very nice because we have founded many other people that think about the same way as fashion as we do. Or we also have found uh, many similarities in other brands or in other countries. It gives us a lot of hope, you know, and how we are trying to go back of how fashion and how clothing was made 200 years ago, 300 years ago, even less, you know, like in the 50s, people would do their clothing, 60s, 70s. That is like the heart of our fashion house. The future is handmade. You're here. Yeah. It is. It was, it is, and it will be always. Yes, absolutely. 
Carla, this has been just such a gift to hear you talk about your brand and how it's become what it is today and where it's going. I mean, I feel like throughout the brand's whole lifespan to date, it just keeps going and evolving and helping serve us and bring us to a better world consistently. And I'd love to hear a little bit about maybe what is in store, what we can expect in the future. Well, we just realized, we just finished two of our dreams <laughs> last week. So I am very happy about it, that it's our show with Florence Mueller. She's one of the most um, renowned fashion curators and I am very happy that uh, she gave us this opportunity to our fashion house and to our production system and to craft because at the same time she's curating she curated our show she curates Dior she curates Yves Saint Laurent she curates the big Japanese brands and um, that gives us a lot of you know hope that we are doing things in the right direction and that fashion has the opportunity also to change to this path. Now everyone talks or there is a buzz about ethical fashion and sustainable fashion, but we started this 30 years ago and uh, we started this in the hard way. You know, people telling us that we're crazy, we were not going to make it and so on and so on. So, so for us, it's such an amazing uh, opportunity that we can share in a whole because it's like entering to our brains this exhibition and it's going to be there until October, mid of October at the Denver Museum, which is fantastic. And then we just made a, an amazing ballet, the costumes that it's super fun. And we made them with many, many artisans around Mexico. And then what is next? Our book is coming. I've been working on it many, many years. It's like a review of our last 30 years. Next, because I think is just to share knowledge and to be very humble and, and also learn from brands that are doing it and a lot of artisans and a lot of projects. And uh, and hopefully we can give you a good surprise in Paris uh, next January. But let's see. And we have our collections, obviously, and our commitment to continue to the brand and with our collaborators. That's a lot yeah. to look forward to. <laughs> I'll be marking my calendar. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, okay, so Mexico, Paris. <laughs> okay, January, Get the book. I'll be looking great. <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully we'll do something also for the first time in Africa. That is, I have a meeting, I have a meeting with uh, the Prince Klaus Fund and let's see if that happens. Yes. We cannot wait. So the future is handmade, but it's also, it's the collective. Like Carla, you've proven that nothing good happens alone and that we all kind of have our part in this. And just the way that you just, you just listed like three to four different cities plus a whole continent. So you really are, <laughs> you really are showing that, you know, it takes a community and the community can show up in a lot of different places in a lot of different ways, as long as we're true to, you know, who we are and what we're trying to do. So we can't thank you enough for spending time with us. It's really been amazing. No, gracias. Thank you so much. You're a designer, a historian, a preservationist, and a protector. And a mother. And a mother, yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Carla. 
No, thank you so much. And it was very nice talking to you. I really enjoyed your questions and your interest. And let's see each other soon, hopefully. You're always welcome. Come and visit. Yes. Oh, yes, definitely. Carla, Carla, Carla. So I'm definitely going to her exhibit, Casa de Moda at the Denver Art Museum. It's on now through October 16th, 2022. So pull up. Next up is Jay Jadal, founder of Jaywalking, a brand that has solidified streetwear in India. A guy with his own compass. He doesn't ask why. He asks, why not? Join us as we get the deets behind the drops that are always hot. See you next time.